Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. Glad everybody's here together today. Before we jump into this, got a new series we're starting this morning, but uh, before we jump in, first of all, I want to make an announcement. Just a reminder that we have World Mandate in Fort Worth on February 3rd and 4th. And really want to encourage everybody, get that on your calendars. We've got 10 different World Mandate events happening in the Antioch movement around the country, and we want to be all in right here on February 3rd and 4th. 2023. Okay. I almost said 19 something. (laughs) Woo. Way back machine. (laughs) Golly. Okay. Everybody good? World mandate. It's going to be incredible. Incredible. We're going to get stirred up. The theme is all in and can't wait to do it. Going to have some great speakers here and worship's going to be incredible. The other thing I wanted to touch on before we jump into the message is, and this is kind of jumping into it a little bit, but starting tomorrow morning, we are doing the 30-30 challenge as a church. And the idea is, a lot of you guys already spend time every single morning with the Lord. That's awesome. We're going to encourage you, keep going. That's the most important pastoral advice I can give you, is to start your day with Jesus. But this challenge starts tomorrow morning, 30 minutes for 30 days. And, and the deal is, what happens is you get, it helps you get a habit started if you're not already doing that. Let's get this habit going together. It just it changes your life. It's good for your life. It's good for your family. It's good for, it's good for the church. It's good for your work. It's good for the, the world, right? <laughs> Spending time with God on a daily basis. And it, this is the way we explain this in the movement. Uh, flash that next slide up there. The five circles of church. And this is a big deal for us. It's the me and Jesus part. I've got to have a personal relationship with the Lord. And that starts morning by morning. I've, the goal of life is to abide in Christ throughout the day. But the best way you do that is to start with intentional time morning by morning. 30 minutes, 30 days. So here we go. The second one is to be in life-giving, discipling relationships with other people. You know, so that people know what's going on in our world. You know, the stuff that nobody knows about is the stuff where the enemy works the most in our lives. So we want to be in discipling relationships, committed to growing together, to be in life groups together, just house to house, Acts 2.42, living that thing out where we are doing life together in community that is, has a goal of multiplying and reproducing. We're not just there, holy club, sitting around doing that. We're on mission together. That's why the thing's got an arrow. Oh, I said I would give credit to Jimmy Seibert down in Waco for this little thing. You can watch his last week's message and unpack this even more. But uh, I told him on the text, I said, send me those slides. I will give you credit the first time. The second time I will say I heard somewhere and then we've always said it this way, you know. That's the way stuff works. It's kingdom, right? Kingdom. Yeah, so life groups. And then we come together in the big meeting to gather together, to celebrate, to, to worship, to be together, to share our spiritual gifts. And it's the church gathered, but then we're the church sent out. And that is Jesus and his people living together on mission in all of the different spheres of life, from healthcare to medicine to education to politics to our families and our homes and just all the different spheres that you go out into. We want to be able to do that with the Lord on mission together. And the arrow thing, it just gives a sense of movement and and mission starting right here in the city, 
to the nation and to the nations of the earth. Uh, and speaking of that, I got some great text messages from Allison, who's been over in uh, Poland some, working with Unbound. And what the first one was like 300-something people getting saved, and they were videoing it, and they were sending it to me and James. It was just like, God is moving. And then James and I were like, that's awesome. Praise the Lord. You know, I, I, I don't know if I text like, I, I actually probably said hit speech thing and that's awesome praise the lord exclamation and then like 30 minutes later she says and 1800 people just got saved in another city like god's moving right now we are standing at the precipice of just you know and we had a pastor's uh, zoom call last thursday for the antioch guys and, and i mean just what the lord is saying to the churches right now is like the lord is moving like, he's moving. Get ready. Get, get, get our lives in order, you know. And maybe we're, it's like, it, it's just a time. To, I, this is a different sermon. But I, I just want to share that burden with you guys. Um, amen. I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged about what the Lord is doing in this time right now. And we want to keep walking out this word to ignite the boiler room. We're praying all over the place. There's I'm in different prayer meetings, two different prayer meetings, even this morning. And so let's be a praying people. We are going to worship and pray our way into all that God has for us. That's how we, that's how we get there. And so, Lord, let's do it. Help us. We're starting a new series right now this morning. It's called Walking Inside the Story. And uh, we've spent a lot of time this year talking about the story, right? So the story we find ourselves in, finding ourselves over the... So that was in the spring, 12 weeks, and then in the summer, another 10 or 12 weeks on testimonies, messages of finding ourselves, finding our own life, finding Aiden, finding himself in the story of God. You know, just he didn't preach, but, but it's all of us doing that process. Like, oh, I'm coming alive to the story that I'm actually a part of. And so then this message is going to be, this series is ultimately going to be about ethics. How do we do this? How do we live this out? What is the thing that we're actually practically doing day in and day out, week in and week out? How are we behaving? How are we living? You know, amen. Listen to the amens flying on that one. It's going to be good. And, and for the, those of you who want to take a deeper dive even than what we're able to do on Sunday mornings, Jim Reynolds is sitting back there. He's got a great podcast called The Politics of Jesus, and we're running these things alongside each other. So if you want to do a deeper dive, he's already four or five weeks ahead of us, and go listen to Jim for the deeper, the deeper dive, and just uh, let's, let's lean into this together. And uh, very practical. Ultimately, this series... This message, hopefully every single message I ever preach is going to lead you to Jesus because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so I'm, I'm proclaiming Jesus over and over and over again. And we want our lives shaped by Jesus. We want our lives. He, he is the revelation of what humanity is supposed to do and be and live out. And so this is, he's the, he reveals the true story to us. That's a good way of saying it. And so we want to be story-formed people. That's what we're emphasizing today is we want to be story-formed people. And there are so many different stories out there. Now, we're constantly emphasizing God's story, you know, creation to new creation. We're constantly doing that, but we are so bombarded with other stories. 
I just threw a bunch of stuff in there. There's other stuff in the American story besides just all that retirement in heaven. But, but there's many themes. It's just themes playing on a different riff of different, of different stories. You know, and there's the American story. And what happens is what we end up doing, if we buy into the other stories and don't first orient to God's story, we'll end up doing the American story or whatever our thing is and trying to just stick a little Jesus in there, salt a little Jesus on the way. And God's calling us to something so much more than that. More than, here we go, the Republican story. More than the, the democratic, Democrat story? Y'all want me to keep, keep going? <laughs> More than um, a sexual orientation story? More than, uh, what else did I write down here? The social media story that you are feeding on? More, th- more than that story? More than your uh, network news preferred story? I mean, do you ever just tune into that and go, God, this is craziness. This is, this is, um, the fruit of the Spirit's not there. Just, I'm just like, wow. So don't buy into any story as if it's the story instead of the story of Jesus. Just, we've got to wake up to that stuff. Um, the Western theology story. I, so this is famously described by N.T. Wright. I threw this in this morning. Hopefully it's going to work. But, but the way he describes, so, so the Western theology story is that the law is simply a moral code and the end of that is going to heaven when you die. As opposed to the law being a, a, a specific part of the story given to the Jews within the larger story of the Abrahamic covenant that is for the nations. And so within that kind of frame of thinking, Western teaching, and I'm borrowing Wright's phrases here, but you can throw those up. Hey, it's, it's platonized our eschatology. So kind of heaven instead of new creation. So it's kind of a dualistic, platonized, platonism is, is a dualistic earth bad, material bad, spiritual good. And so Platonized our eschatology, and it just, it just comes off the tongue pretty good. We've moralized our anthropology, and that just means putting down rules and following the rules instead of our image-bearing vocation in the world to represent God as his ambassadors and to, uh, of agents of making things right on planet earth and has therefore paganized our soteriology. And that's, that's where you get an angry, bullying God instead of the self-giving God of love that's revealed in the sending of the Son and the sending of the Spirit, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and His shared love and anointing and communion in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So, not that story but the story of God revealed in Jesus Christ, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if you've been around, those, those are not new things. If, it's, if you're new, you're like, whoa, okay, like, wow, it's a lot. But the point here is that we're formed by the story that we believe we're a part of. We are formed by the story. That, so I, I'm being shaped by it all the time. What I think is the end of that story, I'm being shaped by. I'm being shaped by the stuff along the way. 
And so we want to be a story-formed people. Uh, somebody shared a, a message with me this past week, a guy named Kurt Thompson. And he said, Christianity is not a religion. It's not like you, Buddhism, Islam, Christianity, just another religion. It is a story at the heart. It's the story of reality. It is the story of God. It's the story of creation. It's the story of our humanity. It's the story of the fall. It's the, it's the story. And so our personal stories are, uh, they're always done in collaboration with other people. Like, I didn't come into the world by myself. I was helped. There was these two people named Jim and Mary. Hey, guys. And they helped to bring me into the world. And I didn't know what to do when I came into the world. I had to be helped all along the way. It's always in collaboration with other people. Ultimately, even like God at his foundational level is defined by persons in relationship, so are we as image bearers defined by being persons in relationship with others. That's, that's who we are. You can't tell who you are apart from saying, you know, if you want to know who I am, you've you got to know that Kim's my wife, Emily's my daughter, Aaron's my son-in-law, on and on and on. Harper and Liv are two awesome little grandbabies, right? Papa. So, 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 so it, it's, we're shaped by our friends. We're shaped by who we walk with that are, that, are, and are they willing to tell us the true story back to us? and give us feedback? And, and do we have a safe place to even share who we are, what we're ashamed of, or what's hurt us in the past? And all of that shapes our ability to walk into the story of God and be what God intended for us to be and to walk into the fullness of that. I want to cast some vision because we're ultimately going to get to the Sermon on the Mount, and there's all these wild topics in the Sermon on the Mount and uh, I'm, t I'm taking a couple of weeks to intro it because it's just so big, but it's going to be practical for my life, for your life. It's going to be practical for life groups, for discussions. It's going to be, there's going to be a lot of calibrating that's going to need to happen in our lives where we don't just blow off the Sermon on the Mount and the teaching of Jesus, but we're saying, no, Jesus is revealing the true story to us. That's what we've been saying the whole time. And so he's revealing the true plan for humanity and we're, we're wanting to see this lived out in our lives. And so the Sermon on the Mount does, it does sound strange to our ears. And I'll just, just hit a few. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Okay, so when you're really humble, it doesn't, that's, that doesn't play well on my Instagram feed or my Facebook, Right? Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. They'll inherit the earth. What? You know, I mean, the, part of the deal here is we're being confronted and really trying to tell the story with Jesus and how different that is than what we've seen as the story maybe growing up or what we thought was the main thing. You know, that it's all about going to heaven when you die, but you wouldn't get that idea from reading Jesus in the Gospels. Read it. And that's part of the problem. That's the call here in this, in this uh, is that we've got to read the Gospels. 
We've got to read the Gospels. We've got to read the story of Jesus. We've got to read the words of Jesus. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Amens are flying right now. But I mean, that's it. Salt and light and, 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 you know, don't get angry. Don't get angry and don't sin in anger. Don't, it's like murdering. It's just like, wow. Don't lust. It's like adultery, you know? Right relationships. Let your yes be yes. Uh, no retaliation. Oh, that's like a heavy word, isn't it, right? No retaliation. I heard somebody say, well, I've got two cheeks, and after that, it's, it's game on. <laughs> come on. Yeah, come on. Enemy love. Wow. Lord, help us. We're going to be talking about this. Sharing, giving, prayer, how to pray, fasting, treasures in heaven. Don't worry. Wow, we need this word, right? Don't judge. Okay, you can't judge and love at the same time. This is like, what, this is where we're going in this thing. Go through the narrow gate. Uh, you'll be known by your, the fruit and then build your life on the solid foundation. Be a wise builder. That's where we're going. That's why this is so, this is so uh, very important. And you know, the, uh, the, some of the heroes of the faith that you know that are Christians that have changed the world, they're people that have oriented their lives to the teaching of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. It's really true. Uh, Clarence Jordan uh, was a famous Christian that we talk about around here, but maybe not, maybe you haven't heard of Clarence Jordan, but in 1942, he founded Koinonia Farms in South Georgia to be this kind of experimental way of doing church, black and white people coming together. 1942, just think about that. He was excommunicated from his Baptist, from his church for uh, bringing an Indian guy into the service. Love Love the Baptist. I'm an honorary Baptist, by the way. The, the guys down at Truett said I could be an honorary Baptist. <laughs> I'm an honorary many streams in the body of Christ Christian. I love all that. Um, so Clarence, just really trying to live Sermon on the Mount stuff. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Y'all ever heard of Dietrich Bonhoeffer? Just this incredible resistance guy in World War II and before against the, against the Nazis and fascism and the stuff that was going on uh, there. Martin Luther King Jr., you know, just this, his orientation to the Sermon on the Mount is powerful. It's powerful. So much flowing from that place. Mother Teresa, you know, we're touching on a lot of different streams here. And as we're going into this series... Two things, out of a prayer meeting a week or two ago, I was in and really sensed the Lord saying, Jamie, be a father, be like a father during this time because it's so easy for people, when you start hearing these words, to just get exasperated and fling your hands up and go, I can't do it, it's too much, and I, I, next. And we even come up with weird theologies and stuff. I, I, I've literally preached the Sermon on the Mount before and had someone come to me and said, well, I don't, isn't that a, from another dispensation? And that's the, before the cross. And, and I was like, uh, wow, no, no. I'm, I'm going to try to do the words of Jesus. He's the center of the whole story. 
And I can't come up with a theological reason why Jesus' words wouldn't be what we were trying to live by and live into. So, so be, be like a father. And then the other thing I was hearing was for all of us to be humble. Just to be humble. And you know, I think when we're coming to this, to this part of Scripture, if, if we're not humble, like poor in spirit, if we're not humble and, learn, and have a learner's heart and be teachable, we'll just, I know that. Oh, he's talking about love again. And whenever you hear, I know that, I don't need to hear that, just assume that's the voice of the enemy. That's the voice of the enemy because we don't have it figured out. We're not there. We haven't arrived. So, so just, that's, just, let's be humble. So here's the main thing I'm trying to say today is that God is inviting us. Some more of this invitation stuff. God's inviting us to live in the story of God revealed in the Son of God. And I would even ask, and revealed in the sending of the Spirit as well, the Son and the Spirit, and expressed in the love of God. So he's inviting us into the story that is revealed in the Son and the Spirit and expressed in the love of God. So let's look at this, a fresh invitation, a radical reorientation, first of all, to God's Son. And we are trying to look at Scripture through the lens of Jesus Christ, right? That's, that's what we're trying to do. That's what we've been on, you know, for many years now. But, and, and the reason is the resurrection changes everything. That's the res- Jesus is raised from the dead and declared with power through the resurrection to, do, to be the true king and Lord of the world. Just think through that. That's why we're studying the scriptures. That's why we're studying the, the Old Testament and the New Testament is because Jesus is raised from the dead and this changes everything. It changes how we read the Bible. I just feel like last, I don't know, month and a half, I've just been standing at the Grand Canyon just going, oh my, Wow. You know, Isaiah 55, I was really like, I, I don't know that I've read the Bible like this before. And it's just the story and Jesus and just fresh and it's just explosive with, you know, I stepped through a door and I want to invite you guys. Let's step through that door. And oh, wow. And sometimes my words, they're just, they're just so inadequate. It's like I've got a little piece of grain here and I'm trying to describe the Rocky Mountains. You know, it's just like, it's, oh, it's, it's, it's bigger than what we think. It's bit, there's more. There's always more. And so just, again, four credentials want to lay out here. Why would people believe in Jesus? First of all, he taught with authority. Like nobody ever taught like Jesus. Yeah. Secondly, nobody ever died like Jesus. He lived a sinless, die, a sinless life and died. I mean, who else in creation, in history, has that reputation? Zero. Nobody. He healed and did miracles and signs and wonders in the name of God. And then he was raised from the dead bodily. Dead and raised. He appeared to Peter and then to James and then to 500 others and all these different appearances, eating meals and stuff. And by the way, I mean, Peter, that, that restoration thing was incredible. But James, his little brother, I talk about throwing in a, a piece of resurrection eyewitness fact that if anybody was going to discredit somebody, wouldn't it be your little brother who actually didn't believe at one point in time and came to get him, but he believed and ultimately laid down his life for his elder brother, right? And, and so many of them did. So, so many of them did. 
I came across this quote from Irenaeus, and this kind of long quote, but it's more of that eyewitness stuff. So Irenaeus, Irenaeus in the second century was discipled by Polycarp, who was martyred, burned at the stake, the bishop of Smyrna, because he would not renounce Jesus Christ as Lord. And Polycarp was discipled by the apostle John. I mean, eyewitness testimony. And so here's Irenaeus talking. He's writing a letter to a guy named Florinus. And he says, when I was still a boy, I knew you, Florinus, in Lower Asia, in Polycarp's house. Just, I, this is like, like, this is like somebody's grandfather that saw this. You know, I'm just like, wow. I remember the events of those days more clearly than what that which has recently happened. For what we learn as children grows up with life and becomes a part of it, so that I can speak even of the place in which the blessed Polycarp sat and talked, taught, how he came in and went out, the character of his life, the appearance of his body, the discourses which he made to the people, how he related his association with the Apostle John and with others who had seen the Lord and how he remembered their words and how Polycarp received from the eyewitnesses of the Logos of life and reported all these things in agreement with the scriptures. I listened eagerly even then to these things through the mercy of God which was given me. And I made, made notes of them, not on paper, but in my heart and ever by the grace of God do I truly ruminate on them. Jesus is raised from the dead. And the, the, these gospels are eyewitness testimonies of Jesus being raised from the dead. It changes everything. It changes the way we look at the incarnation, the way we look at the life, the ministry, the, the, uh, the, the life, that sanctified, offered up, perfect life to God. I've sanctified them in the truth because I responded to, he never did anything of his own initiative. He always lived by the Father's life. So that life he lived, the death he died for us, one for all, and just dealing not only with the need for our own forgiveness of sins, but the need for the fact that we are a sin factory. And he took Adam to the grave, and he has raised the new Adam. You know, And how much more, if, if, if Adam did something that brought a condition upon us, how much more Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the word of life, the, the word, the, the logos. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. Nothing's been created without him that has been created. And so he brings God and humanity and the creation of his spoken word together in his life. And he is taking it to the grave, but he's also bringing it out of that grave in new creation. And it just, I mean, when you start seeing this, then it changes everything. What does the incarnation mean for my life? What does his life mean for my life? What does his death mean for my life? What does his resurrection mean for my life? What does his ascension mean for my life? That he is the Lord. What does his return mean for my life? And how we are living as an eschatological people pointing to the way that things will be. So, uh, that's the first thing I want to say, <laughs> is a fresh invitation, a radical reorientation to Jesus, the Son of God, God's Son, and to God's story. Look over in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. I read this verse. I was going to read just 
start reading the beginning of Matthew. And I read this verse, and I just put my head in my hands and was just rocked. I was blown away. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And maybe more, I guess because we've just been immersing ourselves in the story this year, you know, the story of Abraham, the story of David, like, and in, in how Matthew is now connecting, because he's seen the resurrected Lord, he's going back and looking at everything with fresh eyes. And all the gospels do that. Mark, the, this is the beginning of, of the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and how loaded that statement is. Starts quoting Isaiah and Malachi. Luke, the same stuff. I, I, I worked on this thing, Theophilus, and I want to give you an account of what's happened about the resurrection of, of Jesus Christ, who is the Lord. And, and then, of course, the John passage I was just quoting, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so he's telling a whole creation story all over again. So it's just, it's beautiful. I mean, it's just, oh, let's, let's just jump into this together, the genealogy. I'm, I'm not going to preach the genealogy, but I do want to make a point because it's so, it was encouraging to me. Just like, I, 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 wish, I wish I could live into all that I see. But I, I do dumb stuff, and I'm like, you, did, you thought that, you did that, you said that, you didn't say that. Anybody? And so, you know, I mean, I'm reading through this thing, Abraham, pagan, guy called by God into the plan of God, Isaac, don't have a lot on him, but Jacob, the deceiver. His name literally means the deceiver, right? He did some stuff, big part of the story there. Uh, Judah, Judah, father of Perez, Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Okay, just go read Genesis 38 on your own sometime. It's a lively story. <laughs> Brokenness, rated R, like full on. Rated R. Um, I just, it, it's wild. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Okay, so Boaz's mother was the prostitute, the only one who was saved from this cataclysmic destruction of, Jer of Jericho. Like, talk about a little trauma. Like, everybody I know was dead. I'm just, I'm in this new situation now. Wow. I need some healing. It's making, it's making me need some healing from my own stuff. So Rahab. And so Boaz was the father of Obed, and whose mother was Ruth. So she's an outsider, alien lady from Moab, the Moabitess. And so then she, she's the mother of Obed. And then Jesse, so she's the great-grandmother of King David, isn't that wild? Just in David, you know, he's got, a, he's got some stuff in his deal. It goes on to say how he killed Uriah the Hittite because he'd had adultery with, committed adultery with Bathsheba. And so just, it's a mess. And yet you follow the story on down there. Solomon, is this good? This is like uh, 700 concubines, 300 wives. And it's a mess. And they pull his heart all over the place. Ends up building temples and 
all that stuff. And then the down the line, Rehoboam splits the kingdom. And, and then there's all kinds of bad, bad kings. Like it's not just, a, and there's some little lifts every now and then. The nose kind of, you know, just like, whoa, wow, exile. It's promised and then it happens. And then ultimately, Jesus comes in this story. And, you know, who are we going to believe to tell the story of us? If not the resurrected Lord. I mean, this, that's, I just, it's a rad, I, I need to know about the redemption that comes through Jesus Christ. I need to know this story. And Matthew goes on and he tells, you know, he's quoting Isaiah and he'll be called Emmanuel, God with us. And again, more quotes from Micah, just in Micah and um, uh, uh, Jeremiah, voice of, is heard in Ramah, weeping, weeping, going on, telling the story of Jesus. John the Baptist comes on the scene, quoting Isaiah 40. You know, he's, he's pulling this story together. And then down to, uh, I'll pause there. But just, that's, that's, a, that's amazing. Imagine, imagine our lives without this story. Imagine the world without Christianity. It's pretty bleak. Without all of the self-sacrifice, and it doesn't mean we do it perfect, we don't. And all kinds of crazy stuff's been done in the name of Jesus, but the Jesus that's revealed in these scriptures, the Sermon on the Mount, I mean, just imagine if that was just more fully lived into. What if? I mean, even just, again, back to the uh, world without Christianity, it's like, wow, education, hospitals, serving, sacrificial love, laying down our lives uh, for one another. So this is, uh, this is huge. If we don't get tight on this, we'll be co-opted into another story. And so I'm, it's just important that we keep, keep sharing this, keep telling this, this story. So it's a fresh invitation and a, to a radical reorientation to Jesus and the Spirit, the sending of the Son, the sending of the Spirit, to the story of God, to God's story, and to God's love. There before, uh, in Matthew 3, verse 13, Jesus goes to get baptized by John. John says, I need to be baptized by you. But Jesus, in verse 15, says it's proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. For my, I don't know what all that is, but for my full identification with humanity. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. And with him, I am well pleased. You know, God, our God is love. Our God is love from all eternity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Best I can tell is that the ground of our very existence, the ground of our being, is that we are loved by God. And out of the fullness of love, He created us for adoption into that circle of love. Ephesians 1, John 1. You know, and He's the one that's made God known to us. The longing of our hearts is for love. The ground of the Sermon on the Mount, then, is love. Even when we, we, don't, we don't see that, we don't understand because it's strange to our ears and sounds too difficult, so I'm going to not try it. But it's not, it's not not working because it's, 
been tried and it doesn't work. It's not working because it hasn't been tried, found too difficult or whatever. It's kind of a paraphrase of a G.K. Chesterton quote. So then the foundation of our relationships is about love. Our very being is for love. And, um, you know, I know you've heard me say things like this and just please don't, don't t- tune me out, but just ask, ask yourself gently, however gently you need to be, ask yourself, how am I doing on this? How am I doing just knowing you, Jesus, and looking at life through you and through the story of God and through your love for us? How, how's that going? You know, how, how am I doing? And, and love, it's not syrupy or sappy or sentimental. It's, it's self-giving love. We're defining the way God loves because he's defined that for us in the sending of his son and in the cross. This is love, not that we first loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for us. It's self-giving. It's other-centered. It's agape. That's the Greek word, agape, and that's what that word means. And the more we read the scriptures, the more we're going to see life change in our understanding. It's like standing at the Grand Canyon. It's just like, wow, have I thought this through before? Or have I just tried to put it in a box over here that, that was just kind of manageable? You know, there's my family and my work and my, my faith that I do on Sundays and Wednesday nights or something. Or is it like all of life? Just everything, all of life. And that's where this is going for us to be formed by the story of God, walking inside the story in alignment with Jesus and shaped by him. And again, I'm just going to finish with these two questions. What if we did this? What if? What if, what if we lived this way? It just, it, and it, Lord, help us. Lord, help us to not be exasperated and throw up our hands. Help us to hear this with humility. What, what if we lived this way? What would happen in Antioch, Fort Worth? Wow. Just if we lived this kind of self-sacrificing love kind of way. You know, there's so many beautiful expressions of how that's already happening. But Lord, let it be more. What if we lived this way in the city? What if we lived this way with family members? I know you guys, there's family that needs this love, that needs this story lived out right? Broken, need healing, those kinds of things. What if? What if we expressed the love of God and the story of God and the Lord Jesus and his powerful spirit and the love of the Father in our lives? Lord, let it happen. Amen. Y'all stand up. Amen. Band's coming up. We're just going to spend a little time Responding to the Lord. Oh, this is what the world needs, you guys. The world needs Jesus. The world needs this, this invitation to come to him. And, and I, I like that language from Isaiah, that that language is still ours here. It's a fresh invitation for us as we step into the ethics of, of living inside the story. There's an invitation for us. Lord, would you just let us have a learner's heart? That, that may be you. Like, hey, I need, a fresh, I need a fresh perspective. Get prayer on that. 
if it's just like, I need to come to Jesus. I've never even thought like, wow, Jesus is the Lord. He's the Savior of the world. He died for my sins. If that's you, come and get, get prayer and, and just say, I want to start this journey with you, Lord. If you need to be baptized, let us know. We'll do baptisms. Um, if you're challenged right here to live in the story, in whatever way that is in your own context, that's where we need prayer. However it challenges you, come and get prayer, and, and also just pray with people that you came with. If, and um, and all, as always, if you need healing or you have some ministry need in your life, don't leave without getting somebody to pray for you, right? Amen. Father, meet us here today as we respond to you. Thank you for this good news. Change our hearts and lives. Form us by your story. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let's go for it. Be bold. Run to him. He's got you. He's got this. He's got this situation. He cares. He's powerful. Every prayer matters. Change the world, Lord. Change our hearts. Yes, God.